Proverbs 18, and then also Luke chapter number 4. If you would please stand, we'll read Proverbs 18:14 first, and then we'll read our Luke 4:18 passage of Scripture. Proverbs 18 and verse number 14 says, "The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear." And then we find in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse number 18, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking this as he has just came into the synagogue at the beginning of his earthly ministry, following his baptism, and he says this in verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. I want to preach this morning on the subject of the deepest of wounds, the deepest of wounds. Let's pray. Father, please bless this time that we have together. Bless this message. Lord, uh, the Word of God, as it goes forth, may the Holy Spirit take it and help us to make personal application. Lord, I don't know what everyone in this congregation has been through, what they're going through, but I know that you do. And Lord, we're asking that the Holy Spirit of God would use what is said here today to bring healing, to bring help, to bring your grace and strength. Use us in a special way today. Lord, we pray that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and glorified and that all of us, that our hearts would be drawn to you. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There's a common saying, you've no doubt heard it, about being cut to the quick. Now, the word quick is an old English word that means life. I'm reminded of Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We often use the word quick referring to somebody that moves very quickly. That's not the usage of this word. The quick, being cut to the quick, means being cut to your life. I can remember being fussed at when I was younger about chewing my fingernails down to the quick. You know what that means. You're getting down into where they're bleeding. That's where your life is. It's not just something on the outside. It's the inside. That's the quick. That's the life, so to speak. There are injuries that go so deep in a person that no x-ray, CAT scan, ultrasound, no MRI, no offense, Brother Joe, Brother Matt, no MRI is going to detect the wounds that people have doesn't show up on your blood panel, but rest assured the effects of these wounds, these injuries are so obvious to you as well as to all of those who know you well. Amazing story, back in 1979, football player that I grew up watching, he played for the Los Angeles Rams and His name was Jack Youngblood, and he actually played in a playoff game and in a Super Bowl with a broken fibula. They wrapped it up, they taped it up, they 
injected it with some numbing medicine and so forth, but I've had a broken fibula before. Trust me, I have great respect for Jack Youngblood. I can remember when I broke my fibula, I had a hard time breathing, let alone playing football. I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to walk. By the time I got to the ER, I thought I had a neck injury because everything in my arms and hands were going numb, only to find out that as soon as I took a couple breaths in a paper bag, all the feeling came back. I was not getting the oxygen, and so I was going numb because I'm in so much pain that my breathing got so shallow. And I'll remember very, very well when they came, the nurse came into the ER there at the room, and she, right in my thigh, she just injected that morphine, and it was like, oh, that was so good to get relief from that pain. And yet we all know that that shot of morphine was only a temporary relief. There was an injury, a wound that had to be repaired. It had to take some time and go through a healing process. Even now from time to time, if the weather's just right or maybe that ankle will get a little bit stoved up and I'll move just right and I can feel the effects. Every now and then those pins in my fibula will kind of work their way out just a little bit and the inside of the skin will just feel raw, like it's rubbing. The doctor told me one time if it gets bad enough, they'll have to go in and pull those pins out. But these are the effects of physical injuries. Jack Youngblood had a spirit. The spirit of man will sustain his infirmity. His human spirit could plow through some physical pain at a level that I can't comprehend. But Solomon said... But a wounded spirit, who can bear? There are things, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, that we go through that are way worse than physical injury. Once again, Proverbs eighteen fourteen: The spirit of man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? If you had a choice, would you rather have a broken hip or a broken heart? I have given the choice. I'd say, how about neither? But the fact of the matter is, in many cases, and sometimes it gets diminished, sometimes so much of Christianity has become more, I think, more testosterone than it is Spirit of God, more machoism, as if when people have a wounded spirit, uh, some of the older generation just thinks that, well, you're just supposed to ignore it, you're supposed to plow through it. You're supposed to tough it out. And, and I know, listen, I know that there are times where we just, we do have to bear through our spiritual wounds. We have to keep going. We can't quit. But that doesn't diminish the fact that wounded spirits are very much real suffering. Why would Jesus preach deliverance to, the, to those that are bruised? Why would he talk about being sent to heal the brokenhearted if these spiritual wounds were not a very real thing. We're living in a very dysfunctional culture today. And I look around and you look around and you see people are not happy. People are distressed. People are discouraged. People are battling depression like no generation that we've ever heard of. This is a more medicated generation than 
anyone that has ever existed. And we deal with these things. And listen, I know, and and I don't want to get ahead of myself, I'll say this again, but the problem in humanity in this world that we live in, it all finds its root in sin. We're living a life in a world and we have a nature that is not the way that God intended for it to be. We're suffering. We're dealing with things that really we have no, we have no ability to deal with. Listen, I know children that are dealing with emotional trauma at an age that they can't handle it. They don't know what to do with. They don't know how to process it. And they bear those things and all of those produce wounds or spiritual, emotional disabilities. And so many people around us are going through life with a disability and an injury that they don't know what the answer is. They don't know how to overcome that. There is more help today for physical infirmities than ever. It's amazing what the medical world can do with physical injuries and infirmities today, but with these wounds that run deeper, we've never been more primitive. I hope you understood what I said. Physical injuries, we've never been more advanced, but for these wounds of the Spirit, we've never been more primitive in dealing with them than we are today. Psalm 69, verse number 20, reproach hath broken my heart. I am full of heaviness, and I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. If you've got a wounded spirit here today, a spiritual injury that you've been trying to bear, you've sought for help, you've sought for someone that can help me, And ultimately, you'll always, at some point or another, come to the same conclusion that the psalmist did, that there's just no one that really understands. And even if they did understand, I wonder if they really care. The first thing this morning that I want to talk about are the causes of a wounded spirit. Where do our problems come from? As I've already said, we can trace them all back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve partook of that fruit. I mean, we can trace it all back to there, but we all live different lives. We all grew up in different homes and different families, and we're living in a time where everyone, it seems like everyone, is a victim in one form of another. We preachers, I fear, I fear that I'm guilty of this. We put so much focus on dealing with the victim mentality that we don't do what we should to help the victims. Hey, listen, I preach against a victim mentality, but that does not negate the fact that I'm preaching to people that you have in one form or another, you have been a victim, you've been hurt by someone or a circumstance that you had no control over. You didn't put yourself in that circumstance. Life put you in it. So you may be a victim or you may certainly have a spiritual injury that has went much deeper than the flesh. 
We need to focus. The victim mentality makes excuses and resists the pressure of responsibility. Don't go there. Don't do that. The victim mentality supports every underdog and despises anything that appears to be functional. You know, that's what we see. There's a problem in today's culture that people have compassion on everyone that's doing wrong, but on anyone that appears to have their act together. If they're not the underdog, they end up being despised. I got news for you. Everybody has their problems. Nobody is as as functional as they appear to be. I know there's different levels, but sometimes you look at people and you think, oh, I, you know, they just think that they're better. You know, down deep, you almost despise them because you wish that you could be the way that they are, but you don't have a clue what they're going through. Some people hide it better than others. The victim mentality is a very bad thing, but it doesn't mean that the world around us isn't hurting because they slash we, we are. A lot of people are hurting from the deepest of wounds, those wounds of the spirit. The causes of a wounded spirit are as numerous as the causes of physical injuries. It may be a foolish act that was committed by yourself. You did something stupid. How many times have I hurt myself doing something really, really dumb? How many times when I was a kid, in fact, I've got some scars that still show up on the back of my knuckle when I tried to bore a hole in something with my pocket knife that wasn't a lock blade pocket knife. I mean, I can see it. That old timer pocket knife didn't lock and I think, well, I'll just be careful And uh, as careful as I was being, trying to bore a hole, and the thing closed right over on my knuckle. You say, that's stupid. No, it was stupid when I did it the second time. (laughs) Then there are hurtful acts by others. Insults, rejections, injustice, neglect. Sometimes when these come upon us from the people that we're supposed to get the most love, support, and acceptance from, those cause a spiritual, a wound of the Spirit that we don't really understand what happened or why we feel the way that we do. We just know that we are hurting inside. Then, of course, there's fatigue and wear and tear. Listen, sometimes our spirits go through some things that will just wear us out and cause an infirmity, just that wear and tear that happens in our spirit, just like it happens in our physical body, it happens in our spirit as well. In Job 1, in verse number 20, this is after Job's first round of attack by Satan. It says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now keep in mind, this would be the equivalent of you losing your job, your bank account, your life savings, your car breaks down, and your children, all of them are killed by a tornado. 
all in the same day, all by five different separate acts that took place. We're not talking about the one single tornado did all five of those. We're talking about the messengers kept coming to Job one after another. What would you think if all that happened in one day, really in just a, in, in one hour, would you just think, wow, those are just some really horrible consequences that came into my life. You're not going to think that's consequences. You're going to think that's something supernatural. That doesn't happen to one person in one day, let alone in one year, all of those things. They happen and Job knows and understands that something supernatural, something super powerful just came upon me. And yet after that first round of attack, his spirit, the spirit of man, sustained his infirmity. He still is still worshiping God. Then the second round, the second round takes place when Satan, he goes back to God and says, Hey, you know, you still haven't really afflicted Job. Does he serve you for not? And God says, Okay, Satan, do whatever you want to with him. Just don't kill him. Just spare his life. Job 2, verse number 9. Keep in mind, Satan has smitten Job with severely painful boils from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. I mean, his whole body's covered with painful boils. Job 2, verse number 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine intent? You know, he's lost everything. He's lost his health and everything. And he's probably sitting there scraping the boils with that pot shirt. It's like, well, at least I got my wife. (laughs) And then she comes out and says, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Is there ever a story that you've ever heard of where insult to injury is more appropriate than what we see here in Job's life? But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips? You talk about the spirit of man sustaining an infirmity. Job, after two rounds, really three rounds, if you want to count what his wife's saying to him, that's, I mean, that's pretty brutal. And yet he's still having the right spirit And the right attitude. It's kind of like what the old western cowboy used to say. When their sons would cut themselves or get hurt in a bad way. They'd say, well son, it's a long way from the heart. Well Job's situation, every one of these injuries. Every one of these losses is getting closer and closer and closer to his heart. And then several weeks later. I don't know how much time. I mean, we read in the narrative that Job is in this case long enough to where his three friends hear about it. I don't think they were living next door. So they get word, probably some days passed. They didn't have email. They didn't have cell phones back then. So they finally find out about Job. They travel to see Job. I don't know how much time all of that transpired, but then they sat there and looked at him. For seven days. So several weeks later, Job 3, verse number 1, after this, opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night 
in which it was said, there is a man-child conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Notice that all that Job went through, he did well for a couple rounds, but eventually it got to his heart. And he's like, I just wish I hadn't have been born. I wish that God would have just not allowed me to even exist. And you know what's happening here. All of his circumstances, they found their way to his heart. You've been through something, maybe not at that level. I don't think any of us can relate to the level of what Job's been through. But you've been through something that you did okay for a while. You resisted. You, your spirit Uh, The spirit of man, it helped you with your infirmity and you dealt with it, but eventually it chipped away and it found its way into wounding you at a deeper level than you've ever been wounded before. You know what Job was experiencing? He was experiencing PTSDs. We hear a lot about PTSDs today. We've had soldiers that came back from Vietnam, and I don't know that that term was coined back then, post-traumatic stress disorder, but certainly when our soldiers came back from Iraq and Afghanistan and the suffering that that accompanied them after they came back, the things that they saw and did and dealt with, uh, it produced some effects, and so they finally at least acknowledged it to be something not just something that combat veterans deal with. Post-traumatic stress disorder is not just something from combat, it's from traumatic stress. And I'm sure that most of us, not all of us, but most of us have been through something that we'd say that was some traumatic stress that I had to deal with. That's why our Sunday school memory verse for last week was 2 Timothy 2.3, where it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If you're a soldier of Jesus Christ, I can assure you, you have at some form of, or time of, or another, you've had to deal with some PTSDs. I know preachers all across this country that have to deal with PTSDs just from the ministry, being in service of the Lord, being a good soldier. We have to endure one form of hardness or another. Now, there are some factors that increase the likelihood of PTSD, the intensity or duration of the trauma, being hurt or losing someone you were close to, being physically close to the traumatic event, feeling like you were not in control. Man, if you haven't been in a situation in life where you found out that you had no control, I assure you that day's coming. Or you're going to find out that you didn't have the control that you wanted. You don't have the control that you thought that you had. Feeling or having a lack of support after that traumatic event took place. Some of the soldiers that came back from Vietnam, some of the soldiers in modern times, a lot of times they didn't get the support. They know what they went through and what they saw and what they did. And the human mind says, wow, we did all of that. We should come back and we should be heroes just because of what we put, were put through. And, you know, they come back and they find out that 
people aren't even appreciative of what they went through, but they're whining and complaining because the line at McDonald's is too long and it's taken too long to get their burger. And they just look at that and they just it causes traumatic stress in their life. Psalm 142, verse number 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there here today. You've got a wounded spirit. You've got a hurt that goes way, way deeper than what you can imagine. Now, it's impossible to list all the causes of spiritual wounding. There are things like abuse and neglect and rejection, grief. Grief is a very traumatic stress that we deal with, the loss of a loved one. Sometimes the way that they go, I, I honestly believe that for several months after my mother passed away from cancer and being with her just middle, you know, all night long listening to that breathing and that gurgling as she was dying from lung cancer and uh, all of those. It just took forever, it seemed like. And literally, she went through that process for weeks. And all of that, someone that you love and just hearing those noises and they just keep breathing. And that did something to me that I couldn't understand. I couldn't explain. It's like something inside of me was broken. And I don't know if anyone here was during that time period, but I can remember the first couple times that I went and made a visit at a hospice situation. And I can remember having mental compassion in my mind, but I couldn't feel it. It was just, it just wasn't there. That ability to feel was just broken and I, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't shake it off. It was just there. I'm sure that that was some form of PTSD or certainly it was a wounded spirit. Proverbs 13, verse number 12 says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. You know, there you may have a spiritual wound that it might have been some little old thing that got to you, that affected you. And you may think, why? And if you traced it back, it might be that the reason it affected you so much is because your heart was already sick. When our hearts are sick, then we're weak, we're susceptible. And maybe you had a disappointment. Something didn't turn out the way that you'd hoped. And that disappointment just made your spiritual immune system weak. And some little old thing came in and just wreaked havoc in your life. The root of all spiritual hurt, as I've said earlier, is sin. It's either our own sin or the sin of others. You think about it, just the insanity of our suffering, all because of a piece of fruit. It's really quite ridiculous when you think about it. And yet, most all of our suffering is because some little piece of fruit that we wanted, and we thought, I've got to have that, and not realizing that it was going to open up a lot of future hurt. That's the world that we live in here today. People are hurting. Spiritual wounds. Trace it back to a piece of fruit. Number two, and I've got to hurry this morning. The effects of a wounded spirit. 
David said in Psalm 143, verse number four, therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. Desolate, he says. It's not yielding any fruit. There's no joy. There's no happiness. That's what David is describing because of the effects of his wounded spirit. There are symptoms of PTSDs, and this comes from the Veterans Administration, getting upset by things that remind you of what happened. Nightmares or vivid memories, flashbacks of the event, feeling numb or emotionally cut off from others, losing interest in things that you used to really like in your life. Psalm 38, verse number 10, my heart panteth, my strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it also is gone from me. It just seems like everything is gray and cloudy around me. And even when physically the sun's shining, it's not shining in here. Feeling constantly on guard, being hypersensitive. Psalm 109, verse 22, for I am poor and needy and my heart is wounded within me. You've got a a spiritual wound, you know, just like a physical wound. You're going to be hypersensitive. Some little old rejection, some little old criticism. Man, it's going to sting because you've already got a wound inside of there. Something that you're dealing with and it's like, I just can't deal with anything more and You end up hiding from that, hiding in a cave, medicating, doing something that is ultimately not exactly healthy in order to deal with your spiritual wounds. Feeling irritated, easily startled, jumpy, angry outbursts, having difficulty sleeping, trouble concentrating, avoiding places or people that remind you of what happened, turning to alcohol or drugs. In order to numb your feelings. I heard a man say one time, he said, it's not my drinking that's causing my stinking thinking. It's my stinking thinking that caused my drinking. And there's a lot of truth to that. Perhaps you consider doing harm to yourself or others. I've never understood this cultural thing of of cutting of the flesh, but... I'm sure that there's something way more psychological and emotional than I can imagine, but I believe that it's probably because a wounded spirit. It could be some uh, spiritual, the devil could be behind that, no doubt. The devil wants to destroy man. You take the maniac of Gadara, was demon-possessed, and he's out there and he's cutting himself, trying to cause himself harm, but sometimes... It's not necessarily a demon, but it's a spiritual wound. You start working all the time just to occupy your mind. Pull away from other people and become isolated. Or pursue pleasure in order to bring some semblance of happiness. Might be a food indulgence. Sexual relationships. Or obsessive Time and hobbies, different distractions. It could be a loss of appetite. Psalm 102 verse 4, my heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. Sometimes all you can do is just feel this wound and you just don't think about anything 
that would be healthy. Often we experience depression and anxiety and fail to recognize that these are the symptoms, not the cause of our troubles. And so my last point, number three, and this is the most important part, is there help for a wounded spirit? If you've got a wounded spirit, if you went through something like what I'm talking about here this morning, then you know that there's going to be times where you just think there is no hope. I've tried everything. Oh, I had a few good days and I thought, hey, I think I pulled out of it, only to find out that you go back into that despair. Those That wounded spirit is still there, just like a physical infirmity. You can have good days and bad days, but it's still there. Same way with the spiritual infirmity. Is there help for a wounded spirit? Well, Jeremiah 8 verse number 22 says, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no ointment that can heal me, that can refresh me, that can make me feel better? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Is there no balm in Gilead? You're going to feel that way. But the answer is yes. Yes, there is a balm in Gilead. Yes, there is a physician. Psalm 147, verse number 3 says, He, speaking of God, healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He doesn't always come along. You know, when Jesus was alive, He'd pass through and Even the woman with the issue of blood, all she had to do was just touch his garment and she was made whole instantly. Take up thy bed and walk instantly healed. Jesus is able to do that, but more often than not at the great physician or as the great physician, he binds up our wounds. There's a process that we have to go through. It may, it may be that You need to examine the thing or the things that wounded your spirit in the first place. Face them. Deal with them. Listen, you'll never get over it by sweeping it under the carpet. Listen, I'm not talking about wallowing around in it. There's some things that we just, it's not healthy. It's not good to waller around in something that's in the past. But you may need to go there and face it in order to have healing. In order for that ointment and for that binding up to take place. It may be that you need a trusted confidant that you can talk to. Someone who will listen and try to understand without judging you. Sometimes we need advice. Sometimes we need advice from someone that is not emotionally involved. That can see things clearer than we can. But sometimes we just need a sounding board so that we can put our feelings into words. You know, once those feelings, that's the reason that we cast our care upon the Lord, 1 Peter 5, 7. Because when we talk to Him, we're putting our emotions in words and words carry ideas and concepts. And that's something we can, we can get our arms wrapped around. We can get our teeth sunk into. It's a concept. I see it. I understand it, but before we communicated that with words, then all it was was just a feeling that was just swirling around in our heart. That's why David would write those psalms, and that's why God gave us the psalms, so that we can hear what somebody else's words are. And I don't know about you, when my spirit is wounded, 
I read the book of Psalms and I'm like, wow, the Goliath killer gets it. He, he understands. He's, he's went through stuff that I haven't went through. And I've had a wounded spirit for weeks before just because somebody didn't like me. You know, David had people that didn't like him. He had people trying to kill him. Like, what am I whining about? All they did was snub me. They wouldn't shake my hand. At least they weren't trying to kill me. (laughs) But I'm not minimizing our wounded spirit. You know, I'm not Jack Youngblood. I can't play with a broken fibula. I can't play professional football at all. But you know what? We all have different pain tolerances and we all have different spiritual makeup. This is not a competition. We don't compare our wounds with somebody else's. If you're hurting, if you're suffering, it's very real to you. Just like mine are very real to me. That sounding board can help us at times, but ultimately we have to deal with the cause and not merely the symptoms. Psalm 34, verse number 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them. He's near to them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as one, such as be of a contrite spirit. Did you get that? The Lord is near to those that are of a broken heart. If you have a broken heart, a wounded spirit, God says He's near to you. Listen, think about it. No one on planet Earth felt more abandoned by God than Job did. And yet no one on planet earth had God's attention like Job had. Let me tell you something. God is on the front row seat and he's leaning forward and he's watching every move that Job is making and he's got a good expected end in mind, but he's just not bothering to let Job in on it. Have you ever thought about that before? Listen, modern Christianity thinks that God is our psychotherapist. He's not. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. We're supposed to trust Him. Nowhere did He comfort Job. Nowhere did He say, look, Job, just just hang in there. It's going to be okay. He never told him that. And when Job whined about his circumstances, God showed up, and here's what he said. Job, where were you when I made this earth? Where were you when I did this and I did that? What are you going to do about it? That's our God. Was God cruel? No. God knew. God was going to help Job in substance, not just try to coddle his emotions. Psalm 61, verse number 2 says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's where we need to go, brothers and sisters. When our spirit is overwhelmed, I can't take it anymore. I can't handle this anymore. God, lead me to something that's bigger than me. Something that's stronger than me. 
Back in the early 2000s, my pastor in Idaho was diagnosed with chronic lymphocytic leukemia. And I believe that he would agree with me making this statement here that he would not likely be living today or pastoring if he hadn't went down to MD Anderson in Houston for treatment. If he would have went the conventional treatment that they had there in Boise, Idaho, he probably, I I doubt seriously that he would be alive today. Many of you know Brother Kirby Campbell, who suffered from arachniditis and was in severe pain for many years. He'd had a surgery and they, a knee surgery, and they did a nerve block and they punctured that uh, that spinal um, uh, membrane and caused him this condition where he was in just severe pain throughout his entire body. And I can remember praying for him and I can remember him preaching from this pulpit and moving around because of all of the pain and so forth. And I can remember praying over this treatment that they were going to try or this doctor or uh, this organization had some treatment that was maybe going to help a little bit, ease that pain. And ultimately, he found a physician in Winston-Salem that was able to put him through some processes. The same physician that Brother Mitch Service is seeing for some of his problems. And ultimately, Brother Kirby got through all of that and he is completely without pain today because this physician in Winston knew exactly what to do to help him. Well, listen, whatever you have tried for your broken heart and your wounded spirit, I know someone who can help you. Matthew 9 And verse number 11, when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." That's our great physician right there. Your spiritual wounds are the result of sin. And that is, by the way, the deepest and most fatal wound. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That's a fatal wound that comes from sin. But Jesus is the great physician. He can fix your sin wounds, your disease your problems, because the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The great physician is Jesus Christ. And you know what? You have an appointment with him today. If you have a good physician, a specialist, it's hard to get into him. Sometimes they have waiting lists that are Years long before you can get to that specialist. But oh, I've got wonderful news for you today. For the wounds that go much deeper than the flesh. The great physician is ready to see you. And he'll see you right now. If you're not saved, he'll save you right now. 
if you're hurting from some type of rejection or grief or loss, some spiritual wound that you've been dealing with, just bring it to Jesus. He'll heal you. He'll, he'll bind you. He'll pour in that ointment. And ultimately, let me say this, and I'm done. It may take some time. Just like physical infirmities, Jesus will do everything that needs to be done to help you. But you may just need to give it some time. When I had my shoulder surgery, and I certainly have compassion for Brother Jerry, he just recently went through it. And I can remember times wondering, is this thing ever going to heal? Am I ever going to get my strength back? Am I going to be debilitated for the rest of my life? And I can remember just out of the blue, one morning I woke up, and it's like, wow, it is so much better. It just took some time for the body to process all of the healing, the way that God designed us to do. Listen, God made your spirit the same way. Just do like David did. Stick to the Psalms and remember that there is a balm in Gilead and there is certainly a great physician and he wants to heal you.